We're living in difficult times. Equilibria believes that now, more than ever, their products can provide support and balance for women in need. That mission is at the core of everything they do. At Equilibria, CBD isn't hype, it's health. Designed with modern women in mind, EQ takes all the guesswork out of CBD. After you've made a purchase, simply schedule a consultation with one of their trained dosage specialists and they'll get you on the path towards balance. Their assortment of premium products arrive at your doorstep in swoon-worthy packaging. Whether it's daily soft gels you seek, balancing bath bombs, or a mindful mineral soak, your order is tailored to help your specific needs and can be purchased on subscription for trouble-free restocking. Curious? Use code OFFTHEGRAM for 15% off your first purchase. Trust me, you'll thank us. We're told, especially as women in our society, that we have to lean in and it's always career related. It's always doing related. And I did. And then I just burned out. You know, the sky was the limit career wise. But then I looked around at the cost and the sacrifice and like I was spending no time with my husband. I was spending very little time with my children. Um, My health started to suffer. So I just decided I need to step away. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, guys. Hey, everyone. So we are so excited today to chat with such an amazing guest. Paula Ferris has long been an esteemed journalist and television correspondent for ABC with roles ranging from Good Morning America Weekend to The View to ABC news programs like World News Now. But it was most recently that she made waves for getting real about her struggles with burnout and taking a step back to make some tough life choices that ultimately put her on the path she knew she was meant to take, including the popular ABC podcast Journeys of Faith and authoring a new book about her spiritual journey throughout it all. Thanks so much for joining us, Paula. So exciting. I'm Welcome. So, I'm so excited to be with all you ladies. We have like a perfect, we have a basketball team going now. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Where, where are you geographically? Yes, we are in South Carolina. We've been here for a little over two months. My sister lives down here and our children, we live in Westchester County, New York, which is one of the original hotspots. And um, my kids go to school in the New Rochelle, New York area, which was, the, I think, one of the first areas where the National Guard was sent in. And so they, I feel like we've been out of school for seven years. Yeah. We've been out of school for a long time. And, um, you know, we just wanted to come down here, let our kids experience the the green nature, the green in nature and to be around family and really just to be able to do life with somebody else, uh, like our family. So we've been hunkering down with my sister's family for since we got down here. It's been and it's been it's been a great experience just to be in your family. I mean, because that's what we're missing is that connectivity to, so to be able to have a connection with someone outside of my kids and my husband, which is in my that's my sister's family has been a real blessing in all of this. And coming from New York, too, don't you see it's so amazing having that green space and having that, you know, the outlet coming from the city. It's just such a difference. I'm, I'm finding that as well because we're out by um the, the shore and just having a tiny bit of space and that fresh air. And it's just it makes such a difference. 
It makes and such a difference. Talking. I want. I want to. Oh yeah. We've got. We've had some feedback from our listeners that like they're they're like we love the show, but like we never know who the hell's talking. We are all going to make a concerted effort today to say who we are as we speak. So yeah, that, that was Christine, and she yeah. is in Jersey. I'm in Jersey, even though my name, my handle is NYC Pretty. Yes, I do go to Jersey. Uh, <laughs> we grew up summering Jersey. at the Jersey Shore all the time, and it's a hop, skip, and a jump away. So I can just jump on New Jersey Transit. Well, not right now, but I can. <laughs> but usually, we could get on the train and jump on New Jersey Transit and get here in an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I are you guys? How are you guys doing despite all of this? I mean, we've been in this for what two and a half, three months now. We- yeah. I mean, I, I got to say, it's funny because we're going to talk about this topic today and, and it is kind of our whole point of being here today. And we'll get into that in a second. But like, you know, really just this idea that so many of us have made these moves to different places, different career paths, different things as a byproduct of this. And some some of them, some of us landed nicely. Like I'm feeling very comfortable having more space and being in a house and so we're, I got to say, all things considered, we're doing very well. This is Jamie speaking, by the way. And I'm here in Maine with my family where I've been <laughs> for the last two months. And I got to say, there's a weird survivor's guilt in feeling like you're thriving during the quarantine. So does anyone yeah. else feel that? I totally yeah, this, feel that. Yeah, this is Christine. I feel like that. We we own the home, so it is our home. It's not a new place, but... Um, we used to just come here sporadically once a month until summertime. But right now it's like we're, you know, it's my husband and I, we don't have children and we, we, we're in a groove. It's, it's, you know, I, I do, like Jamie said, I do feel a little bit like, oh gosh, I'm enjoying this because we're, we're doing well. We're, you know, we're yeah. being more healthy. We're going out less to eat. We're being <laughs> smart about the way we cook. We're saving money. We're trying to do our best, um, and stay healthy and we're connecting to neighbors and staying, you know, socially distant. But we also do feel a little bit of a community here as well. And I don't know that I would have that in New York because I think I would be so scared because it is so tight and, um, you know, even just in our hallways and touching elevators and doors and just to get into our home, I think I would be so much more, um, on high panic alert, especially with my personality. So I'm Mm -hmm. super thankful and, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. take it for granted. So this is Heidi and I'm not thriving. Sorry. So I'm like, I feel no survival guilt. So Mm -hmm. because like I'm on the struggle bus, like big time, I'm a very positive person. I always look for the positivity, like the positive and everything, the lesson and everything. But, um, my husband is terrified of New York city. We have three very young children. They are, my twins are four. The youngest is two. And, um, he didn't, he's terrified of having them there, even though he was born and raised in Manhattan. So it's kind of interesting. Um, and we've, we ha- went the family route against my will to live with his sister and her family. And we have polar opposite parenting styles. And I have a son who had, was in a body cast and a brace for 11 months of his two years because his pediatrician missed his dysplasia. And, um, you know, we're told under no uncertain terms that if anything goes wrong, like if he gets pushed the wrong way, falls the wrong way, massive surgery, bone shaving, metal and body cast for a year. So with her very undisciplined children, I'm like living in terror mm-hmm. because one of them is rather violent <laughs> with my two year old. Oh, and, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm like the opposite of thriving, but definitely, you know, trying to make the best of every day, but I'm, <laughs> you know, still really, really struggling with my nervous system. And, you know, as a yogi and a meditator, it's not a state that I'm used to living in. Sure. Um, 
like I'm used to being so much more grounded and calm and doing all the things. Um, yeah. But I'm just not, you know, I'm not in a situation that feels safe. And I think for me, that's the hardest part. Like I would feel infinitely safer in our home that I built and designed for my family <clears throat> in New York City. I'm not like, you know, moving between three homes all the time because I'm like trying to find any time away from kids that I feel are a danger to my children. Oh, so. You know, it's, you know what, they're, they're wonderful people. I love them. It's just, it's terrifying because, you know, one of their children is old enough to be dangerous and is completely uncontrolled. So it's, 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 there's no lack of love. It's just terrifying for me (laughs) as a mother, because I'm a mom. Yeah. I, I I think that's, uh, for me, what I've learned is that tragedy and opportunity can also coexist. And that's what I'm finding in this moment where we experience loss. And many of us on a really real visceral level. Um, and that can happen in many different capacities, whether it's loss of loved ones. I know we've, you know, you know, our families experienced, you know, job loss. Um, but yet that can be coupled with, um, opportunity. And, you know, you were both, you were all talking about like just kind of seeing things. It's, we see things in a different light. This is going to change the way that we do life. It's going to change the way that we do uh, work. And so I think it's, 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 it's okay to, to reconcile some of these emotions. So like, why do I feel opportunity, but yet um, amidst this time of tragedy where we're experiencing loss and those two things can coexist. Mm-hmm. They really can. And I think amidst all the loss, like, we've been all been given a reset button if we want it or, you know, or a, a, a shift button if we want to push that. Um, but yeah, we've experienced it. It's been, it's been a really interesting time where like struggling with the homeschooling, I'm not a homeschool teacher. Like I just, I, I don't even at this point, I, it's really become a source of contention. Um, you know, the job thing that, you know, we're both experiencing, you know, issues, um, job, my husband, more so than I. Um, but it's just, you know, also just being given this gift of time with our kids um, and time together and time to remember what's important. That's that's an opportunity to take advantage of as well. So try to reconcile all of that. And I that's feel like how I would say too, because I, I this is Megan with the scratchy voice. That's how, you know, friends. <laughs> um, but for me, I have an attitude of gratitude. I am grateful for the reset. Is this how I necessarily wanted to start a new magazine, finish a book, and do all the things? No, but I but I am grateful that it is going to yeah. change the way I work in the future. I'll never commute five days a week into the city again. I now know I can make a magazine from my kitchen table. So I'm very, That's very grateful awesome, for Megan. for what it has changed in the way I work. Um and so for that, I'm very grateful. But I have no help. I have no child care. I am homeschooling a nine, eight, and six-year-old. I, I mean, I do, do four loads of laundry a day. I empty the dishwasher 92 times. Like, I'm a little <laughs> done. <laughs> but I appreciate the silver linings. And I do, yeah. I feel very grateful that it has. It will change the way I work, go forward Absolutely. forever. Yeah. And Heidi and Heidi and Megan, to the two of you, I don't know the exact quote, but they always say that, the, the universe or you're presented with what you can handle and what you, you know, somebody up there knows you can handle. So yeah. I, I hate to say that, but I, there's something that Heidi, you are that strong rock and you have this positivity in you. And somehow I don't know, cause every day we text with Heidi, there's something, whether it's termites or kids falling or bloody noses, something always goes wrong with Heidi, but 
somewhere. Just during I don't, COVID, I don't, not in life. I know, I know. Yeah. And I don't mean to, to, you know, say this, but there's something in someone in the universe, something out there, some, you know, being thinks you can handle this. And, and that's why you have it right now, maybe. And then you're doing it and you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to come out better on the other end. Absolutely. You, Christine, but have you ever heard that? I, I pretty positive is Mother Teresa that said, <laughs> I know that God only gives us as much as we can handle, but I wish Absolutely. he didn't trust me so much. Yeah, that's what I was trying. <laughs> Hold up. What's that, Land? I, I... Okay, thank you, Landon. I appreciate it. I love you. That's my six-year-old with some urgent breaking news. So, Aww. Well, Megan, I, lo- yeah. I love what you said, Megan, and this is Paula talking, but Megan, I loved what you said. Um, you know, you're a career woman, but the fact that you... you you're not going to go in the city five days a week anymore. Like you realize how efficient you can be and maybe how inefficient we were and um, being able to take that time that you were spending commuting. I mean, you were probably spending a couple hours a day commuting. Oh, I yeah. Imagine, like at a least two hours like, a day. Yeah. At maybe more like two hours each way. Yeah. I mean, I was spending oh. a lot of time in transit and I would always say to myself, okay, this, this is my catch up on email time. But in reality, like it was, Four hours of my day that I never got back. Yeah, yeah. It's and you know I think it's it's emboldening us to to stand up and say you know what this is what I wanted to ask for and now I kind of feel empowered to ask mm-hmm. for it because I know and you know our bosses our superiors have seen our colleagues have seen that we can we can still be uh, very productive we can be very very productive in this moment so um, kudos to you for for coming to that realization. Again, really, it's awesome. We should do our weekly catch up, girls, because yeah. I'm ex- yeah. so excited to dive into the book because there's yeah. lots of good stuff in there. Definitely. And it, it brings it to the point of what we've all been saying. Um, you know, I know that for me, um, again, I, this is Christine. I don't have children, but my husband and I have sort of like a random routine. We don't have something that we're, you know, structured every single day, but I try to keep it somewhat organized. But I have a question for you guys who you all have children. How are you? Are you sticking to that routine or a, some sort of cadence or is there any, is it anything goes and, you know, are you guys just like winging it? And what do you find that best helps? Um, especially I guess for people with children and homeschooling and everything else, it's, it, does anybody have, you know, a rhyme or reason to their day? Well, this is Jamie and I'm very much like failure to plan is a plan to fail. Like I am the micromanaging time Nazi of the world. I just always, because, um, it actually gives me a sense of calm to be very planned. So I, but when I say planned, typically that means my workouts because my workouts are the anchor and then everything else kind of goes concentrically around that. So I look at my week, I look at the week ahead, um, and I plan every single day. I also am doing still my accountability program that I always talk about, <laughs> Teddy yeah. Camp's accountability program. And so I actually have I have to give my coach what I'm doing. So, okay, I'm going to do cardio these three days of the week. So these are my run days. And I, I have to look at the weather and take that into consideration, yada, yada, yada. So I my week is planned with my workouts. And usually I start the day with the workout. And I try to end the day also with maybe like a, a yoga flow or have something on the map there. So it's like an eight eight thirty start time. So I get my kids up, I do a little workout, then I jump into my work day, and then I wrap up with some sort of like a, a quick flow or something to kind of get grounded, and then I go back to my children. So that's how I break up my day. And yes, Megan agreed. In between that, are emptying seventeen you know loads of dishes and the yeah, laundry it's and all never that. Never ending, never oh my ending. God, yeah, the damn yeah. dishwasher. 
Oh, I'm like, I don't <laughs> so like I don't because it gets me off the screen, Megan. Jamie, What's I that? don't either. We don't have a dishwasher at this oh, cottage, oh and I'm doing God. dishes for you know three children, husband, whatever. Yikes. I found the silver lining, though. This is Megan. I don't have a manicure right now, so I have no nails to ruin. So I'm happy to scrub pots and pants because what? Like my nails look like crap anyway. Oh, gosh. Megan and I, this is Christine. Megan and I are like the cleaning, like, you know, no shoes in the house. Clean, 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 clean. And this is like my husband's like, you are thriving right now. You were meant to be in this situation. You just want to keep everything safe and clean and protect us. And I was like, I guess. Yeah. I think you just have to know, this is Paula, you have to know your own limits. I know um, for us, my kids still have another month of school left, which is just ridiculous to think about. And when you put it in, like uh, when you get out that long lens and look at this moment in terms of their entire education, I'm not going to really put any more pressure on myself to, to, to veer into this lane that I'm not equipped to do. I can't replace my kids' teachers. So I just telling my kids, just do your best, you know, and I have three kids. My oldest daughter, my oldest is 12 and she's very self-sufficient. I don't even think I could figure her homework out if I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, my fourth grader, you know, I, I have to really, I have to just make sure I have to keep him accountable. My youngest is in kindergarten. So it's, it's ridiculous that he has the most amount of homework, but I'm just telling the kids, just, you know, do your best. I don't want to get in a fight over this because in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is going to be a, such a small percentage of your entire education. And I, so I've been trying to, what's kept, kept me balanced and what I, where I feel like I can actually teach them is things around the house. So I've taught my 10 year old how to make coffee, not just pods, but he makes me from the Mr. Coffee coffee pot every morning. He makes oh, me yes. coffee. I'm telling you, and it's been so, um, it's been like invigorating and empowering for him to do this because he knows it brings me joy, but now he knows how to do something. Um, my boys are making their bed every morning. They're cleaning, I'm, you know, they're cleaning their bathrooms. I'm showing them how to do laundry. Don't mix the reds with the whites, you know? Um, and so like, that's, the, that's our science experiment is laundry. And then, you know, we have a home ec in the kitchen and then, so just think they're going to make I, great you know, husbands. <laughs> I, yeah. Listen, I, I mean, well, that's the thing too. Like I remember my husband, when we got married. I love the guy, but like it hadn't written a check. Like didn't, I mean, you can love your kids too much where you cripple them and you cut them off at the knee. So I'm trying to take this moment to just show them um, some, some life skills that they're going to need down the road, laundry, how to make dinner, you know, how to clean up after yourself, making your bed, like being a responsible human being, being a kind human being. So that's what's kind of keeping me sane in my parenting lane because I, I'll be honest, I do not feel equipped to teach my children. I think for a while I had these grandiose dreams that I might homeschool them. Those are long gone. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, somebody would kill one, would kill someone because yeah. I just am not equipped to teach my kids. I'm really not. It's not my lane. I hear you, girl. Well, all right. So this is Jamie. So this is like a great segue into our topic, uh, because really there are so many silver linings. And I think the the trick is to try to find them. Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive in. One of the most fascinating byproducts of this crazy time has been the amount of people suddenly pressing this kind of reset on their entire lives, either by necessity or by happenstance. So maybe you're the family who fled New York City to avoid the virus epicenter and discovered you've never been happier living in the country. I'm raising my hand. Perhaps you're the employee being furloughed and took the time to write that book you've had in your head for years. Maybe you're trying something else new because, well, why the heck not? When the only thing that really matters anymore is our health, professional failings seem less scary in comparison. 
many of us realize that things which previously seemed impossible because we are all stuck in the confines of our job guardrails might not be so impossible after all. A lot of us have opened up our minds to new possibilities. Many people are ready to take that leap of faith and do something that perhaps before seemed like it could only be a pipe dream. Life seems more transient and unpredictable, but for many, that's actually opened up a world of options that never before existed. And since Paula's new book is called Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling, We wanted to bring her here to help empower us all to hit a big old reset button on our lives during this crazy time. So that is what we are here to talk about today. I think we've already touched on it, but we want to go in deep with you, Paula, because I really think that you have some answers based on your own life and what's happened to you over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I just, I think we're told, especially as women in our society, that um, we have to lean in and it's always career related. It's always doing related. And so for me, I did, you know, I thought, well, this is the one thing that I'm supposed to do. This is the one, the reason I was born, I've got to lean in, I've got to press in. And I did. And then I just burned out. I mean, I, I pressed in so hard to to the point where, you know, I was at a professional high, but a personal low. I was anchoring Good Morning America weekend edition, filling in during the week, co-hosting The View. You know, the sky was the limit career wise. But then I looked around, um, at the cost and the sacrifice. And like, I hadn't spent, like I was spending no time with my husband. I was spending very little time with my children. Um, My health started to suffer. The things that I had said were really important to me were my professed values, whatever your professed values may be, your core values. Like that was clashing with the choices that I was making. So um, I just decided, like, I was like, I need to, to step away. It wasn't, but ladies, it wasn't until I went through and I write about it in the book. I went through this really tough season. It was my own personal crisis where I had five major events happen in a short period of time. I had a miscarriage with a with an emergency surgery. I had a concussion at work. I was knocked out of work for three weeks. The day I get cleared to go back, I get in a head-on car crash, then influenza, and then pneumonia. Mm-hmm. So I feel like like sometimes we listen to our spirit and we know that there's a shift that's happening that we know that we need to make a change. And we are, you know, we are able to recognize that. And other times I do think personal crises are, are allowed in our lives to, to, to gift us that reset button, uh, to say, to get us to slow down. And that's where tragedy for me, that's where I found tragedy and opportunity coexisting where yes, I had all these like kind of weird tragic things happen to me in a short period of time, but it was an opportunity for me to just really say, okay, how do I want to go? How do I want to move forward? Do I want to, do I want to reset that button? And I decided to reset it. But what was toughest for me was in that space when I finally decided to walk away. Hi, sweetheart. My little boy, my youngest is here. Landon, can you say hi to the ladies? He's so handsome. Do you you like his haircut that I gave him? I do. Cater sheet. So I, so I decide to, to walk away from these two dream jobs. Um, you know, after I go through that personal crisis and I didn't know who I was outside of work. That was the toughest thing because I thought here I am a pretty grounded woman, you know, successful woman. But, you know, I'm uh, my faith's very important to me. And I thought at any point I could walk away and I'd still know who I was, that I wasn't defined by this. But then I walk away and I'm like, I legit have no clue who I am anymore. Well, what so I that's, thought why I, was, that's why I write one of the book, a lot of the book. 
And what I thought was interesting, Paul, is you sort of talk about your drug of choice or your addiction was success. So it becomes harder and harder to walk away if what you're addicted to is that rush of I'm on the view, I'm on Beacon Anchor. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Landy, honey, can you give me a second? I love you so much. This is kindergartners. Don't you love working from home? That's my yeah. I was doing a podcast and my, my kids were outside and they were like doing something with water and they thought that it was like imperative to come in and tell me that they were soaked. I'm like, awesome. The door was <laughs> shut. You know, lady, I'll come get you. Go, go find daddy. Okay. I love you, sweetheart. So much. All right. He's actually just sitting in the corner now. Um, but yeah, the work, work <laughs> was my work was my drug of choice. And that's the thing when we think um, addiction, we typically think narcotics, you know, we think alcohol, um, sex addiction, um, you know, pornography, addiction. like we think of those type of addictions for me, like achievement and accomplishment um, and success was my drug of choice. But I think that's just reinforced by what society tells us, especially as women, hey, lean in. This is your job. What do you do for a living? You know, what's your name? What do you do for a living? As if that's the only thing that we bring to the table, right? So, you know, people ask me, like, do you still miss do you still miss it? Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I needed that. Do you still do you miss, uh, you know, kind of like being the, the being the girl being the woman um, uh, being the it girl? And I was like, well, alcoholics always missed alcohol, right? Like, it, yes, I do miss it. But I know that I made the right decision for, for me. I made the right decision for my family It was a hard decision. Um, but it's one where I've learned so much. I mean, I'm just so grateful for where I am now. And I'm grateful um, you know, for the perspective that I have for, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been released from this lie that my worth is only in work that my value, you know, I thought for so long, my value was just vocation. And so I've been released from all that. And I don't see myself so one dimensionally, and I don't see my value just in this one thing anymore. So I kind of feel like I that's what I want to do is just really, with other women, other men, just release them from this lie that your worth is in work, you're more than what you do. Um, and then really, really help people kind of, you know, once they peel back that and to help them find, find their lane, but it all has to be rooted in knowing who you are outside of what you do. And, something and you, you are an that- it girl in another, you know, you are another kind of it girl right now, like you're thriving and you're doing you and you're, it's a different way of, of being that superstar. You're doing that. I, I nodded my head through reading most of the book, Paula, and, and one of the things that really resonated for me was that you're, you kind of talked about Landon and your family getting your leftovers um, and, and really like that really struck a chord for me. What does it mean if your family's not getting the best of you and they're just getting your leftovers? Yeah, for sure. I think that's when you have to realize like, okay, is it worth it? Like, look at this. Of course, you know, anything worth having is worth working hard. I'm not saying that, but it's one thing to love what you do. It's another thing to totally be consumed and identified by what you do. Like, do you know who you are outside of it? And I, my kids were, my kids were getting my leftovers. My husband was getting my leftovers. My husband and I hadn't spent time together in like a couple of years. We hadn't gone away. And I was, I, I just had this moment. I was like, okay, if this is what I profess to be true to be the most important thing to me, then why are the choices that I'm making clashing so, so viciously with these professed values, with the things that I've said, I've, def- these are my core values, family, safe, all of that. But you know what, you looked at my life, and you would have seen the decisions and choices that I was making were telling a totally different story. 
And I think that like that there's a gift in this moment for us, ladies, where some of us, you know, Megan, you're finding out that, you know, you don't have to commute maybe four hours a day and look at the, where you where you channel that time with your kids. You have three beautiful little kids. You know, it's not that you everybody has to walk away. I'm not saying that at all, but it's just it's, it's learning how to stand up for yourself, how to strike the right chord, find balance, but also knowing that our worth doesn't lie in doing. And even though that's what society is going to tell us is that our worth is in our work. Hi, I'm Jamie from Off the Gram. Launching a podcast is a lot of work. Luckily, Gotham Podcast Studio has everything you need to get started. Whether you just need an hour of recording time or a jumpstart with full-service production, Gotham Podcast Studio offers high-quality audio and video recording, reduced membership rates, podcast hosting services, and much more. All from their studio located in the heart of Manhattan. Visit GothamPodcastStudio.com for more information. Now, back to the show. I also think something interesting in the book is we talk about these buzzwords for our times, which is like, what's your calling? What's your purpose? What's your focus, your intention, your balance? But I think what's interesting is that nobody tells us how to achieve those things. Or And you kind of give an action plan, which I thought was really great in the book, because there's three kind of key things to ask yourself or steps to kind of figure out what your calling is. Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I thought, so what I had to learn is that, you know, we throw this word around calling. It's always related to career. And especially if you're somebody like me that comes from the faith circles, I mean, they're like, find this one thing that you were born to do. So then you think that you're, then you confuse your purpose. I like your, I thought for so long, my purpose was just to be the best broadcaster that I could be, like to use these gifts and talents. And then when that vocational shift happened, ladies, and we experience vocational shifts in our life, I didn't, you're not going to know who you are outside of it. Like your per, you need to find a per, your, you need to be able to, to define your purpose as something that will never shake and, and cannot be uprooted during a pandemic or during a personal crisis. So for me, I had to like separate these two. I, I, I really felt like, God revealed to me that we have like these two callings on our life. We have a faith calling, which never changes. And it's like your purpose. I I use faith calling and purpose interchangeably in the book. And that's who you are. That's who you were designed to be. That's why you're on this earth. Okay. And, and it will, has nothing to do with career or work and it's never going to change. And for me, I feel like my purpose is just to love God and love people right? For so long, I thought my purpose was to be the best broadcaster. Okay. So you notice how like when that shift comes, that vocational shift comes, I don't know who I am anymore. That shouldn't happen. So now I know like, I know my purpose is to love God and love people and my vocational calling. Um, it will shift and it will change. And for me, I see vocation as just like the, the vehicle by which I'll fulfill my purpose. It's the vehicle by which I'll love God and love people, no matter what branch I'm on, like vocation, you can branch out, you can try new things. Um, and vocation is going to shift, but once you, that, that, that turns one of the lights off, sweetheart. Can you go see daddy? I love you so much. Um, I'm like, where is my husband right now? I'm going to give you 20 minutes. I love you so much is mom code for. Yes. I'm going to give you 20 minutes of game gaming and Fortnite if you leave. Okay. Oh, oh that's okay. my world. You just yeah, that's, oh, that's bri- bribing. This is yep. Fortnite. Okay. okay. I do it all my, for skins. My <laughs> six-year-old is playing Fortnite. This is where we. This is where we have. Um, I'm, I'm with you. you. I'm okay. With you. So, 
So like once you see like faith calling purpose never change, vocational calling does like you contextualize it. Now vocational calling, this is like once you know your worth isn't rooted in doing and rooted in at work and vocation, um, you can find discover your lane by asking yourself three questions. And this has really helped me. What are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people in your life notice that you're good at and you love? This isn't just like random people on the internet. And it's not, oh, you're a good editor. You're the, like, it's what, what has made me a good broadcaster? I'm curious. I'm a question asker. I champion the underdog. I'm a communicator and I challenge people. Okay. So that's what I'm good at, what I love. And I had trusted people speaking life into that. My high school teacher, my college professors. And if you notice, like when you ask yourself those questions that you have to, you have to check off every, it's not enough just to be good at it. It's not enough just to love it. Um, you have to be good at it. Love it. Trusted people have to notice you're good at it and you love it. I have a friend um, who works in the business. She should be a consultant. I've told her time and time again, you're an amazing consultant. Other people have said she's an amazing consultant. I said, you're good at it. Other people notice you're good at it. She said, but I don't love it. So she's not being like vocationally called into that particular area. But what I love about asking yourself those three questions is when you do, you notice it's not so one dimensional. It's not like, oh, I'm a good, I'm a good yoga teacher, or, you know, I'm a good author, or I'm a good um, editor. It's like, what makes you good at those things? It's the talents and gifts that you have uniquely been given. And for me, curiosity, question asking, communicating, I thought for so long, I was this one thing, I was a broadcaster, I could never do anything else with it. And then I peel it back. I'm like, this is what I'm, I'm good at being curious. You know, I love asking questions. And trusted people notice that about me. That can translate into so many different vocational branches. And so it gives yourself the permission to like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be this one thing for the rest of my life. I can branch out and I can try new things. And that's so freeing, but it's all rooted in knowing that my worth isn't in doing. You know, because for so long I was, I'm Paula Ferris. I'm, you know, with GMA and The View. Now my purpose is like, I know I'm Paula Ferris. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I love God. I'm curious. I ask questions and I champion people. That's who I am. And you notice that's not going to change if I go through a personal crisis. That's not going to change if I go through a pandemic. So being able to hammer out that purpose statement. And once you do that, then asking yourself those three questions, it really just kind of like, for me, it was just a moment of being able to see things for what they are and um, just a total paradigm shift. I mean, you kind of just rocked all of our world. We all sat back and took. I, I heard every single one of us take a deep breath because I think it's so. First of all, I love that exercise. So thank you for giving us a tangible exercise. This is Jamie, by the way. The reason I love it, Paula, so much is because I think we're all, even though I might be thriving day to day, but we're all experiencing an existential shift. In like, I'm literally having questions pop into my head. So like Christine mentioned earlier that her handle is NYC Pretty. My handle on Instagram is NYC. Fit fam. It is what I built my platform on. I built my platform on the backbone of New York City and of my family living in New York City. And we're thinking of moving our family for a year or two or forever, I don't know, to Maine or Connecticut or Pennsylvania. So I could be closer to QVC where I'm on the air, or I don't know where. Do I change like and and I and I'm so tied up in the panic of my Instagram handle <laughs> that I forgot to actually evaluate yes. what the rest of my pillars are. Yeah. Like the Instagram <laughs> handle is not my brand and it's not who I am as a person. So thank you for 
you literally just really helped open my eyes and give me some probably practical next steps. Good. Well, that's the thing too. And I, I think you have to, when you feel some sort of stirring or you've attached yourself or misplaced your significance, you're probably feeling that Jamie, because you know, you placed it in this handle and that has shifted. And now you're like, Oh, but these choices are going to contradict. Like you, we need to make sure that our purpose and our significance aren't in things that can shift and shake. Mm-hmm. And we've, I've all, I've been there. My gosh, I placed my entire identity and my worth was in work. And then I was lost without it. And so I was like, you know, just crawling through mud, trying, you know, in tears, trying to figure out who I was outside of doing. I'm like, I want to be able to love what I do, but I don't want to be defined by it. And it's striking that balance. And I want to be able to do things that I love but I also want to know who I am outside of them. I want to know that I'm more than doing. Um, and yeah, but it's, it starts with you. You have to give yourself the permission. You have to be able to answer those questions and then give yourself the permission. So this is Heidi. And um, like Jamie said, we all took this really big, deep breath when you were saying those things, maybe at like slightly different times, because, you know, every thing affects somebody else and everybody hears everything their own way. But I have to say that when I took my deep breath, I had two vertebra pop and like release, which is for me usually takes like 90 minutes of yoga and like crazy complicated L handstands to get my spine to lengthen and relax enough to do that. So thank you, Paula. (laughs) That's really something that only happens after all of that usually. I've but, literally never had that happen um, to somebody after our chapter I spoke with them. So it's thank you. It's a really you. big release and like thanks. <laughs> it's a huge exhale. Um, but also, I just wanted to you know circle back on a lot of things that we repeated in the past ten minutes or so, where you know you're saying how, for example, in your industry, it's or any industry, I suppose, like what's your name? What do you do? And Mm -hmm. I was an actress for 10 years, soap operas, like the whole thing. I was super lucky. It was great, but realized it wasn't for me because I always felt less than and not enough because of those questions that were specific to the entertainment business. Like I would be, you know, in the makeup chair of, of, you know, uh, the whatever, like the third job of 50 lined up. Right. And, um, and then, uh, some, the person next to me would be like, it would be day one of shooting and they'd be like, so what's your next job? And how about after that? And after that? And after that? And after that? And I would just be like, <gasps> like never enough. Always, it's never enough. You're always proving yourself. And then when I did finally make the switch to yoga, I had the opportunity to run an amazing studio in New York City called Strala that Tara Styles founded. We interviewed her recently and, um, I didn't know what anyone there did, not ever. I would have classes of 80 people, 50 people on the regular. And I knew them. I knew their kids. I knew what made them tick. I knew what made them happy. I certainly knew their body asymmetries. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea what anyone did for a living. And that was my favorite part of that community. Right. So I think that my point in telling this whole story <laughs> is that those communities exist. And you need to, I think it's helpful to find people that support that because those are the ones other than your family and closest circle that can really give you insight if you're not quite sure as to who you are. Cause mm-hmm. they, you know, they'll describe you in such a manner that has nothing to do with what you do because That's they don't right. know. So I think it's important to find those people if people are having, cause I know I actually did that exercise years ago, um, like, you know, t- reaching out to people, which made me so uncomfortable and being like, so how would you describe me? What do you think I'm good at? And like, it made me yeah, yeah. so uncomfortable because it's just not yeah. my personality. Um, totally. but, uh, but it's so unbelievably helpful to do with people that really just 
not only do they not know it, but they don't care what you do for a living because they care who you are. Yeah. So I think it's just helpful for people to ask. And that's rare because that's not what we get from society. Even, right. you know, looking at our children too, they, you know, from the time your kids can walk and talk, what do you want to do and what do you want to be? And so it's like explicit and implicit that this is the one thing that we bring to the table is in doing is in like the one thing that we're created to do. So, and when there's that shift, it's, it's, so that's why it's really important. I love that point that you just made about finding community that sees you for who you are and can help enforce that and um, like really build into that as well. That's great. Jamie said about NYC FitFam, if you just, I mean, even if you took out that little NYC part, you can keep it in, but what you've built in that community, I mean, people come to you for your everything, all the advice you give for fitness and the community you built through that. And they see that. I don't even think they, you know, no one cares what your handle is. It's you've built such a tight community and people come to you for advice, for, for love, for just an outlet to talk, to chat, anything through that platform, which some people think, you know, Instagram, it's, oh, it's silly. It's this, it's that, but it is a big community builder. If you can do it in a way where you're building trust and you're not just, you know, there's, there's two ways to go about it. But I think the way we've all tried to do it is, you know, we're a little bit older in life. um, And I think there's, you know, different age ranges on Instagram and TikTok and all those things. But if you do it in a way where it's a second outlet for you, and it's a place where you can all support and build community, um, it's a, it's great because maybe you won't be in New York City, but you'll be in Maine, but you're going to have that connection with these people from all over the world. Um, You know, it's great. You could dip into New York City, you could remember things from New York City, you might go in for different events and they will having that background is still it's still who you who built what you built your brand on. And that's that's something to be said, too. You know, you've always worked with these trainers in New York. You've you've tested all the places in New York City, all the workouts. So you do still have that credibility behind you. Um, so I think sure. there's something to be said for that. Gotcha. I wanted to talk a little about about a little bit about fear. This is Megan with the scratchy voice. Robin Roberts said something to you, Paul. It was a quote. It was, "Don't allow fear to prevent you from walking into your destiny." And I thought that was yeah. really powerful because I think a lot of us can be so immobilized by fear. Can we talk oh, about sure. moving through fear? Of course. And I think the big misconception is that fear is something that we're healed of or that we conquer and we never have to deal with it again. I mean. Absolutely not. Like fear is going to rear its ugly head in big and small decisions. And so often we talk ourselves out of something because we're like, I'm scared of it. So that's my gut. That's my intuition. No, fear can paralyze you and fear will paralyze you. I, I knew when I was walking away from these two dream jobs, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to anybody else. Um, but I knew I had to do it because I had a peace in my spirit about it. Um, but I was still scared as hell. So a peace in your spirit can coexist with that feeling of fear. And you look at your life, the times that probably the most rewarding moments in your life are moments that you've stepped into your fear and stepped, stepped, pushed and pressed into it. Okay. So, um, I, I just like to say, expect the fear, anticipate the fear and know that it's up to you to press into it. I'm a person of faith. I know that like, I that that it's up to me to take that first step. Martin Luther King says faith is taking that step when you can't see the rest of the staircase. If you sense a stirring in your spirit, if you feel a peace that you need to make a shift, just expect fear, anticipate it and know that it's up to you. But once you know that it's very empowering, like Jamie, you might be feeling <clears throat> you may be feeling that shift right now. And you're you're probably scared. Don't confuse your fear for a peace knowing that what you want to do is the right thing. 
Uh, but so often we talk ourselves out of it because we're like, oh, my intuition. Now, fear is not your intuition. Fear is normal. Fear will present itself. You just need to tell fear what it can do with it. You can just need to, to you know, send it back. Okay. Um, and press into it. And, and just again, like the, the most rewarding moments of my life are the moments that I pressed into it and I pushed past my fear. At, like you look at my kids, you know, just like being able to conquer things when we challenge our kids to, to press into it. And then like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I'm so much more confident. It, my self esteem just grew. Um, you know, my insecurities are, are like disappearing. That's what happens when you press into your fear. And you know what? On the other side, if it doesn't work out, oh, well, like I learned more from my failure, my quote unquote failures and my successes. That's what life is. Life is a journey. Like don't, don't strive for, for perfection, but trust that intuition in your, in your spirit. If you have a peace and if you have a peace, then go for it. Press into your fear. So you say you're a faith-based person. What does it mean yes. on a daily basis to live with live with faith? Like, what does that look like? Are you praying regularly? Are you attending church? Like, I'm a person who would like to have more faith. We have Candace yeah. Cameron Bray in common. Yeah, yeah. And and she, I just Candace named her awesome. chief spiritual officer of of Woman's Day magazine <laughs> because she's. I, I'm looking to her to help me have the faith, find the faith. So, what does it mean on a daily basis to live with faith? What does it look like? I just think, you know, faith is, you know, the evidence of things unseen, but it's just trusting that things are going to be okay. Um, for me, what's gotten me through this moment, again, as a woman of faith, um, you know, we're told in, in the Bible that it, there's a verse that says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. So for me, what that tells me is that we were never promised a pain-free, cushy, comfortable life, but we can take heart knowing that that good wins. Mm-hmm. We know the end game. So I, I, for me, I don't place so much stake on, on this earth because I know it's not my, this is not going to be my home. It's setting my mind on things above, knowing that this isn't the final stop. This isn't the, 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 the destination. Um, it's, it's my faith is, is what when my dad passed, just being able to hold his hand and kiss him and say, I, I will see you again. Being able to say that with confidence, knowing that, uh, um, you know, I'm going to be with my loved ones forever. Um, but just really, um, you know, doing life with people that really challenge me um, in my I, we have a small group that we're part of. And, and, you know, they really hold us accountable. And they look under the hood, they see, have seen the, the warts, they've seen the rust, and they call us out when we need to be called out, they encourage us, they pray for us. Um, and so having that community, is really, really important to people that can hold you accountable, that can encourage you. And I'm not saying a large, like us, it's like four or six people and that's it. And those are the people that really know us better than anybody else. And we really do do life with them. We have lots of other friends, but these are the people, this is like, this is our group that keeps us strong and keeps us accountable. And, you know, if you know how powerful your mind is, Megan, like guard your heart, guard your mind, the, the yes. messages that are, that are, that are going in. Um, and how negative we can be. So for me, um, I, can, I, I, like, I try to be positive, but I think I'm an inherently negative person. I'm, I'm fighting those negative thoughts all the time. So I really guard the type of things that I listen to, especially music. I mean, music really affects me, I think, more inherently than it, like, more viscerally than it may, may impact somebody else. So I guard the type of things that I listen to and the type of messages because I know that I'm susceptible. So it's like knowing your blind spots as well. 
And you said something, I think, um, to Robin Roberts, you were saying that her parents raised her to believe in the three D's and it was so simple yet so powerful. I think it was discipline, determination and the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved that. I saw I was like skimming through and I saw and I was like, that's just so it's it's so simple, but so impactful. Yeah, I just like I just I I, I'm unabashedly, you know, um, a Christian. And I think it's important for all of us, especially in this moment, to show up as our true self, whether we're Christian, whether we're Jewish, whether we're Muslim, whether we're Buddhist. I think um, I'm empowered to do that, um, not only because it's what I believe, but I think the more we can have these conversations, um, the more we break down barriers and we can have really great conversations with people about their cultures and traditions and what's important to them. Um and I think that's really needed in society. So I encourage everybody to show up as their true self, unabashedly, no matter what you are. This you was, also lost your, oh, can I just do, I, I cried on the book talk when, I, when you talked about your dad passing. He passed while you were writing the book. And then you got to take him to a Michigan game. There's like tears all over my pages because oh. I went through something similar. How did that change you and change the writing of this book? That was a, a, a major moment. Yeah, my dad. um, So I dedicated the book to my my dad. And I say his death gave me, it was a gift in terms of perspective, Um, perspective of knowing what's consequential and what's not consequential. And Megan, when my dad died, there's nothing on his gravestone that mentions what he did for a living. Nothing. Yep. And it's just all the sacrifices that he made. He had so many opportunities to move up the ladder. And I'm not saying that all of us, like, some of us might are vocationally called to move up the ladder. Some of us aren't. My dad made his choices. Okay. But I knew he was present. He was home and, um, and he lived a life of purpose. He knew who he was outside of what he did and he knew what was most important. And when death came calling for him, I mean, there were absolutely no regrets when he was surrounded, you guys, he was surrounded by, by friends and family to the point where, he was in several different facilities. They would question us like, we don't have people. We don't have any anyone in house that gets this, this much company and sees this many guests. And that was a testament to the life that he lived where he rooted into people. He loved God. He loved people. Um, and that, and, and he knew that his vocation was just the vehicle by which he was going to do that. But he knew what was important. He knew his priorities. And the very last conversation that I had with him um, before he fell into a coma, he was crying. And I write in the book, um, you know, my dad had a really serious stroke and he couldn't speak, couldn't swallow, couldn't eat, couldn't drink. He was paralyzed on one side. He basically starved to death. It was an awful way to go. Um, but he lost 60 pounds from August to February when he passed. And he would cry a lot because his body was just shutting down. And it was the Saturday before he died. It was the last conversation that I had with him. I mean, conversation is putting it lightly because he couldn't really speak. So he would say, nod, yes, or, you know, shake his head, no. And he was crying in this moment. And I said, dad, why are you? I said, are you crying because you're sad? And he said, he shook his head, no. And I said, are you crying because you're in pain? He was in a ton of pain. and But he said, no. And I said, are you crying because you're just overwhelmed by the love and the memories and the people that are in this room? And he nodded his head and he, and he started to cry. And it was like to, to be able to live a life like that, I, I, that's who I want to be. I mean, look, Meg, I mean, I, that's the last conversation that I had with my dad to be able to live a a life of purpose, a love, uh, loving people, knowing who you are rooting into that. That's what I want. 
that's that's what I want what I want my last word to be to, to, to my children. That's the legacy that I want to pass on. It really is. So that's when I cried all over my book. <laughs> Megan, oh, I'm Megan. crying again. What Megan. a beautiful, beautiful yeah. legacy. When I when I narrated that book, chapter eleven, like I can't even talk about chapter eleven without crying. It took me hours to get through that oh chapter. My gosh. I, I'm going to have so to do tough. that for my book. I just thought I'm going to be a hot mess. I'm going to have to make Jamie read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all in tears right now because uh, I mean, that's because you just really reframed everything. And I think that's why we wanted to do this episode today. I think we are all, and we know this from working together as co-hosts on a podcast, we are all type A and, and I'm sure you are too, Paula, of course. Uh, totally. Uh, all are and um we all share similar enneagrams as well probably you know like but we all take pride in it and it's fine to take pride in it but when it comes at your own personal detriment and you forget to value what's important it can be really really difficult and i think what this global pandemic has done for so many of us is it's reframed our priorities. So I can't thank you enough for being here with us today because what I can say is that I'm going to get up off this chair and walk back out to meet my two little boys in a, as a different Mm -hmm. Jamie than I sat down in this chair because we spoke. So thank you seriously so much. Oh, thank you ladies. And you ladies are all beautiful and brave and I believe in you. And I just like, I hope that, uh, I hope that, and this encouraged you because I know it encouraged me just to talk with the four of you. I mean, and that's what it's about, just doing life together and being real. Right. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Speaking, speaking of being real, we always finish with uh, with a quick lightning round to kind of lighten the mood and just kind of <laughs> a little bit of- in case Megan's like, crying. Put the fishes away. Like, yeah. Next like time to- we Next time we need to do uh, some sort of happy hour with this. Yeah. So yeah. I'll drink it. Well, we can talk about that because that's actually a fun idea yeah. for the future. Yeah. So uh, lightning round. These three questions are are very very super serious. You're going to need to think about these very hard. Okay, are you okay, ready? Okay, I'm sure. Yes, I got my thinking cap on. Okay, go okay. ahead. Okay. And I always ask them in a different order because I can't remember the order. So everybody <laughs> forgive me. Morning or evening workout. Um, neither. No, morning. <laughs> Real talk. What is yeah. your favorite workout? Oh, um, I just started taking uh, Megaformer before everything <gasps> shut down. Megaformer Pilates, and it is like no, it is torture. I hate it, but it's the only. Uh, it's the only workout I've done where I can actually feel my my abdominal muscles after having three children. Uh-huh. I, I've yep. never been able to fire them up until that. But I love yoga. I just love sweating, like a, a nice hot yoga. But this is, but that's the only workout that actually has helped my, my midsection is the megaformer. You have yeah. to try Heidi's Crossflow X. It's got a mix of yoga. I'm like her, her biggest fan. A mix of yoga and cardio. Like you will sweat. I'm a runner. This is Christine. And okay. I am obsessed because it's a mix of that perfect cardio okay. sweat and you feel your core the next day. I texted her. I was like, Heidi, what did you put in that? In that okay, uh, Heidi. I'm, my core is killing. I've been doing Mandy DeMarzo. Do you know who she is? She has some online workouts and they're tough. And I call her the devil woman. I've been trying to do those three days a week. I'm just not a... I don't love working out at home because I get distracted. Like I lay down, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to clean under the bed. Like, you know, it's too distracting for me. I need to take a class. So that's why I'm looking, that's what I'm looking forward to is just getting out and taking some classes. I hear you. And when you are getting up for those early morning classes, coffee, tea, or matcha? Coffee. 
But decaf coffee, I'm weird. Oh, decaf coffee because caffeine. I'm already. I already have a base level of crazy, but caffeine (laughs) just adds to it. It amplifies it. So I do. I have to do decaf because otherwise my heart palpitates and I start sweating. You said you were just diagnosed with ADD. I feel like I might need to be checked for that as well. I I think all of us do. I yeah, think everyone who works from home has ADD now because of all of our devices. <laughs> but you just got diagnosed, right, Paul? I did. No, but I listen. I've now. It's like the everybody that has worked with me um, and that has known me from the time I was young is like you're ADD. But I just never went to the doctor for diagnosis. Um, yes, I was diagnosed like two years when I was writing the book, and um, most of the people in my family are. My son is. I think you can. That's it. Like that, you can be very successful. I think you could use ADHD and ADD. Um, it, it can actually be a strength. In many cases, for me, it helps me to hyper focus on things and get them done. Um, and it's helped me a lot throughout my life. But I do feel at this point, um, I, I need to start looking into maybe some some options. I, I have, and we can talk about that offline. I don't want to like start, subs- you know, prescribing <laughs> medicine here, Megan. Um, but, but no, I have some friends that are on uh, some medications that have, they say they've changed their life. I tried one and I didn't, I felt like it kind of took my edge off, which I like having a little bit of that edge. So, but yeah, and there are coping mechanisms for me that like I write things down. People make fun of me. I ha- I always have a notepad. That's how I, I can't just process something, listen to, I have to write it down. I do that too. It. Same. And see it. And visualizing it helps me to cope. Um, I love, I have to chew gum or a mint if I'm listening to someone. Jamie. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. It's like you find these little coping mechanisms that just help or like, a, some, you know, something to play with, like a little toy or, um, you know, like a rubber band or something just to keep you moving. But yeah, you might have it. And it's an easy diagnosis, Megan. So pretty sure. <laughs> All right. So speaking of ADD, let's focus and rein in. <laughs> we saw sport and we just went off track. So. All right, Megan, the very last thing we end with, I let Megan say is called karma call. <laughs> how do you not have Megan say that? Because <laughs> she sounds so amazing. But since I'm the yogi, I will explain that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, amazing guests, you, (laughs) Um, what's one small actionable item that our guests or listeners can all take? Maybe like something they can do once a day for a week to try it out that will really change your life on a big scale. So like small item, big result. Oh my gosh. Small item, big result. Um, a glass of wine in the morning. Is that? <laughs> so that I would love that. Life. Best one yet. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, for me, like little things that have helped me, like putting mascara on in the morning helps make me feel alive. Um, but I've really tried to start, start my day. Usually I would start, you know, getting up early for work. Um, but I, I try to just have some quiet time. I try to not to look at my phone just to go outside and just like, whether you're into praying or meditating, just like go out and have like five minutes to just breathe and, and be undistracted. I know it's really tough. I got up really early this morning and that really helps me. It really does. And exercise I'm noticing helps me a lot in the morning to release and to just, you know, it's, it helps me get my energy out to put also like release any angst and um, get me motivated for the day. So, but I, I think I would probably go with wine in the morning if, <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for any sort of like big payoff. 
That's a good ADD answer. Yeah, there we go. I gave you, I gave you four, four choices. Pick which one you want. Um, (laughs) Most of you will pick the wine. So (laughs) we loved having you. Thank Thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode. You can listen to it on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. See you next time. Bye, ladies. Thank you so much, y'all.